Jumpstart your healthy resolutions with reduced pricing on all my favorite supplements from Thorne. Right now, my entire curated selection of Thorne supplements is 20% off, including Thorne's cutting-edge brain support formula, Cinequel. I've added Cinequel to my personal daily regimen to fight off cognitive decline. Cinequel is rich in the best researched ingredients that help support brain function. Its active ingredients help maintain cellular energy production, encourage a healthy balance of inflammatory cytokines, kinds, provide energy to fuel the nerves, support neurotransmitter production, and protect against oxidative stress. It's available in two strengths, Cinequel for everyday maintenance and Cinequel Plus, which provides higher amounts of specific nutrients for shorter-term support after impact-related head injury. Just go to DeerHoffman.com Thorn for 20% off Cinequel, as well as my entire curated selection of Thorn products. That's DeerHoffman.com Thorn. Welcome to today's Intelligent Medicine Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Ronald Hoffman. Today we're going to talk about something that I think uh, can be of extreme benefit to our listeners, uh, practical import. Uh, There are these devices now called CGMs, Continuous Glucose Monitors. And today we're going to talk to an expert and talk about uh, how they may be a pathway for you to optimize your health. And I'm not just talking about diabetics. Clearly, they're a boon for diabetics who need to control their blood sugar, need to decide when to take insulin, when to increase or decrease their dosage. Yes, of course. But today's guest maintains, and I heartily agree, that these CGMs, these continuous glucose monitors, can provide us some very, very valuable insights into how to optimize our diets, our sleep, our exercise patterns, and uh, can optimize health. So uh, our guest is an emergency physician uh, with 25 years in the ER uh, treating acute problems, uh, basically triaging patients who came crashing in with all kinds of crises, uh, injuries, but also metabolic problems. And apparently after 25 years of doing that, uh, he said, hey, maybe just maybe we can prevent these people from going to the ER. And he began to turn his attention to metabolic medicine. Uh, He maintains uh, a website, uh, which is called metabolicmds.com. And by the way, uh, we'll tell you about an offer of a free book on the subject of utilizing CGMs. He's Dr. Paul Kolodzik, Medical Director of Metabolic MD. Uh, he has an MD. He also has an MBA. Uh, he is uh, um, certified in board certified in emergency medicine, but also in preventive medicine. So welcome, Dr. Kolodzik. It's a pleasure having you on Intelligent Medicine. Thanks very much for joining us. It's a pleasure being Pleasure being here. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, fantastic. Well, uh, first of all, tell us how you got, uh, how you, you, a little bit about your personal evolution from uh, ER physician, uh, you know, dealing with mayhem to uh, now attempting to prevent mayhem. 
Yeah. So, it, you know, what gets all the press in the emergency department is just as you mentioned, the traumas, the overdoses, um, et cetera. But really, the bread and butter of emergency physicians, unfortunately, is the metabolic health issues we see. Um, so it is the renal failure and the strokes and the heart attacks and the peripheral vascular disease. And um, those have a common denominator, and that common denominator is vascular disease. Um, and, and I believe um, that a lot of that vascular disease has to do with high blood sugar. Um, you, you know, about 30% of American adults are pre-diabetic now in addition to the 10% that are diabetic, half pre-diabetics don't know it. Um, and I believe the inflammatory result of high blood sugar causes a lot of these problems, also results in the epidemics of obesity that we have. Um, so a few years ago, after realizing that, I decided to get out in front of this issue by opening my metabolic health clinic. So let's take a look at the world pre-CGM prior to the introduction of continuous glucose monitors, which happened roughly around 10 years ago, but they've only been perfected and popularized mostly in the past five years or so. Um, what tools do we have at our disposal to determine if people were keeping their blood sugar under control and how do they fall short? Well, the issue, you know, the issue there was finger sticks. You have to finger stick all the time, you know, and people were somewhat resistant to do that. It hurts a little bit. Um, and it was a hassle. Um, but then CGMs came out and they provide 24-7 readings. You basically put a CGM on the back of your arm. These are the devices that you may have seen on the back of diabetics arm. Um, you connect it to the app on your phone and you get 24-7 glucose readings. So you can see how every food you eat impacts you. So what about uh, hemoglobin A1C? That's a popular way of determining whether someone is diabetic. What's the uh, drawback to that in terms of determining how uh, various things influence blood sugar, you know, which include, you know, not just diet, but uh, the timing of your eating, uh, the timing of your exercise, even sleep deprivation and stress can actually have an impact on your blood sugar, right? Absolutely. Uh, and as you well know, and I think I've heard you talk about it, hemoglobin A1Cs give you an average of what's going on in your blood sugar for the last 90 days, the time that your red blood cells are alive, because hemoglobin A1C is the amount of glycosylated uh, hemoglobin in your red blood cells. But CGMs give you these real-time readings. It's, you know, there's a test called a glucose tolerance test. Pregnant ladies take some time where they, you know, drink a sugary substance, and then you measure your glucose over the course of the next three to five hours. CGMs give you one of those every day. You get to see how what you ate just impacted you. Uh, and it's different for different people. Different foods impact different people in different ways. And, and that's a good point because uh, there is this thing called the GI or the glycemic index, uh, which has been enthroned as the way to determine what the impact of a certain food might be on your blood sugar. So, for example, uh, brown rice uh, may have a uh, lower glycemic index, less of an impact on your blood sugar uh, than, say, uh, a Coca-Cola, you know, uh, drinking a Coke, right? which is you know, virtually a pure delivery system for, for you know, sugar without any fiber whatsoever. Uh, but it turns out that the GI, it's different strokes for different folks, right? Some people react differently to foods which other people tolerate. 
Yeah, CGMs are personalized medicine, so you get to really see exactly what is going on. Um, and I use the devices first diagnostically and then therapeutically. So I have patients come in my office, and we're talking about really non-diabetics and pre-diabetics, because I think these are tremendously valuable tools in that population because it opens a lot of people's eyes. We put a CGM on and I tell them not to change their diet um, for two weeks. Uh, and my typical patient is, you know, the metabolic syndrome patient. That's the patient that's overweight, hypertension, maybe, you know, high cholesterol, um, increased abdominal girth. Um, and they wear a CGM for a couple weeks and they get to see what their normal diet does uh, to uh, their blood sugar. And as some of my patients have put it, once you see those graphs, once you see those spikes, you can't unsee it. Mm -hmm. And for many It's people, a teachable moment. Okay. It's a really a supreme teachable yeah. moment. It just really drives the message home about the impact of, you know, one or another of these parameters, whether it's diet, sleep, exercise, and so on. Yeah, they, they can have their doctor talking about this issue to them for years. Um, but then when they see the graph and they understand, you know, I have people that have gone so far as there are certain foods, once they see it, they aren't going to eat them again. Uh, or in, you know, very, very occasional uh, times. So um, it's just an educational process. And I, I do that in the first two weeks along with fasting insulin levels, which I think can be one of the most valuable blood tests um, many people ever had. I think they're, you know, this might be a little blasphemous, but I think they're more important than cholesterol levels in many people. Um, and then we can calculate an exact level of insulin resistance. We can get a good idea of what's going on with blood sugar variability. And once you see that, then you can put a plan together to help people reverse their metabolic syndrome. Let me give you an example is you know, a family member of mine, uh, a young woman uh, who, you know, waited till she got pregnant till she was 40. And, you know, obviously women who are 40 get a little more scrutiny, a little higher risk than young women who get pregnant. Uh, but when she went for her two-hour glucose tolerance test, the doctor told her that she was uh, slightly over the limits and that she was a little bit, quote, pre-diabetic and that uh, maybe she wasn't going to be diabetic when she was unpregnant, but during pregnancy that posed a threat to the pregnancy. So the doctor said, well, you need to be on a better diet and didn't give her a lot of guidelines. Uh, I suggested that she get a CGM, even though she clearly wasn't diabetic. It was just some abnormal results on a two-hour glucose tolerance test. And boy, she was really, really happy with that because uh, she gained so many insights. Her diet was actually quite quite good. She was on a, an excellent diet, you know, high-quality organic foods. But uh, she highlighted certain foods that uh, caused her to react unexpectedly. For example, buckwheat, a food that is high fiber, considered a really nutritious food. Well, it set her blood sugar into the stratosphere for some reason. It's kind of individualized, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. It's individualized. Um, and then you can individualize a treatment plan based on that initial evaluation. So once you get the data from the CGM over two weeks, and, and we look at spikes, how high do you spike? Um, you know, I have people that come in and they think, oh, I don't have a blood sugar problem, and they're spiking to 180, 220, which is in pre-diabetic, almost diabetic range. We look at daily averages. 
um, to help round out that picture. And then you also look at variability because um, people can have spikes followed by drops. And, and you know the physiology, you know, you, you eat a carbohydrate, your blood sugar spikes, insulin gets released and insulin often overshoots the mark and then you drop. And, it, you know, that can be a cause in many people for the, the fatigue they get in the afternoon. Some people will go as far as to say it can, you know, cause brain fog or less mental clarity. Mm-hmm. So Absolutely. you get all this data and yeah, you got, get all this data and then you put a plan together. And for my patients, that plan is a low carb diet. And we talk about, you know, what is low carb for them and what they can do. Intermittent fasting, both of those lower insulin resistance. And then actually the third component, because again, most middle-aged American adults that are overweight have insulin resistance. We, we look at, uh, we look at focusing on an exercise plan that addresses that. And, um, you know, I'm really a big, uh, a proponent of strength training, much more than cardiovascular. Mm-hmm. Training, you know, don't, you know, I have my patients follow the American Heart Association guidelines for their cardiovascular training parameters, but I want them spending the majority of their time building muscle mass to decrease insulin resistance. And then, of course, we're all swimming upstream as we age in terms of losing muscle mass. And I've come to realize that personally because uh, I started out uh, doing uh, triathlons and marathons uh, without much in the way of strength training. And, you know, as I've gotten older, I recognize the importance of maintaining muscle mass. You know, we're all, as we age, fighting a process of sarcopenia, which is progressive loss of muscle mass. And what's the relationship between uh, muscle mass and insulin metabolism? There, there really is a, a very close connection, right? Yes. I I mean, the efficiency um, and the quality of the insulin receptors in your body um, is improved with increased muscle mass. Basically, if you can increase your muscle mass, you can increase, you know, in simple terms, the terms that I understand, you can just soak up more insulin and more um, blood sugar by those organs, that's gonna lower your blood sugar and that's gonna help you reduce insulin resistance. And you know, the the reason for weight gain for most middle-aged Americans is that, you, you know, historically, and we can talk about this or not as much as you want, historically, we ate this diet that was 25% carbs, 50% fat, and 25% protein. And then the food pyramid came out and we were told, that you really had to drop your fat percentage and you had to eat more carbs. And in my mind, when that happened in the early 70s, the epidemics of uh, obesity took off. And then as expected, 10 years later, the epidemic of diabetes took off. So when I advocate for a low-carb diet, I'm really just talking about going back to the way Americans state for generations. Indeed. And, you know, even we can trace it back uh, further historically uh, is uh, the notion that uh, breakfast could consist of uh, breakfast cereal, you know, dried uh, processed grains uh, that we then made even worse for blood sugar by insisting that people put skim milk on them uh, and then encourage them to drink a hearty glass of orange juice. That became Americans' breakfasts. And what are your patients seeing when they consume a breakfast like that? Or maybe, uh, you know, a bagel with uh, butter and jelly or uh, something like that? Yeah, so so most of my patients, uh, you, you know, and I'm not saying you can't have a special occasion 
But, you know, most of my patients uh, embrace low-carb diets because they see their effectiveness in terms of weight loss, improved metabolic health, you know, decreases in hypertension and cholesterol levels. Um, and, uh, and, and basically, they, they, they don't go that route. I mean, they are more bacon and eggs. To be frank, they're more bacon and eggs people. Um, and, um, you know, I think as we have, you know, focused on higher carbs and focused on cholesterol being the enemy, we, we've had these epidemics that I discussed. And I think that those are reversible, but they're reversible really only with the approach that I suggested, um, low carb intermittent fasting strict training. So let's focus a little bit on the nuts and bolts of uh, CGMs, continuous glucose monitors. First of all, you know, how do you get a hold of them? Because, uh, you know, doctors are sometimes reluctant to prescribe them for patients who are not diabetic. They don't get it that it can be a teachable moment for non-diabetics, for seemingly normal people. Um, also, insurers are reluctant to cover them, except if you're diabetic. Uh, they can be expensive. So how do you properly source them if someone is listening to this broadcast and they say, gee, I'd like to try that. How, what's the best resource? Yeah, so they do need to be prescribed by a medical provider. Um, and you're right. Insurance coverage is variable. Um, but what I found in my practice generally is um, that the, the complete 100% out of pocket cost for these is about $70 for a two-week CGM. But if you have insurance um, in Medicare, regular Medicare and Medicaid is accepted, but if you have insurance, that usually drops the price in about a half. So my patients generally pay about 35 bucks for a CGM. I'm not insensitive to that cost. Um, but I believe the information you get with a two-week CGM um, can be exceptionally valuable. And, you know, if you want to look at it from an economic perspective, um, this can be life-changing for somebody, and it can change their long-term, lifelong medical cost profile as well. So uh, I'm not insensitive to the cost and that non-diabetics have to pay out of pocket for it, but I think it can be very valuable. And many of my patients, after doing a two-week CGM, they want to use one going forward, at least intermittently, to continue to help guide their low-carb diet. Indeed. You know, I, I, I was uh, taking a, uh, a bike trip, and I was out in uh, Death Valley, uh, and there was a guy by the pool. He wasn't on the tour with us, but uh, he was a guy who was swimming in the pool. And uh, he had, you know, what I recognize to be one of these devices. Uh, it's like a little small. Uh, it looks like a patch, but it's actually a little bit of a disc. And, you know, ordinarily, it's pretty unobtrusive. You wouldn't notice it unless you knew what these things were about. And I, you know, chatted him up. and I said, gee, I notice you're wearing one of these. Uh, uh, what do you think of them? And. He was over the moon. He said, I was diabetic. My blood sugar was way out of control until uh, I got one of these things. And now he's, he says, I've turned things completely around. He says, my blood sugar is normalized now. Uh, but tell us a little bit about the mechanics of these things. You know, they're, uh, how are they applied? Uh, how long do they stay on? Uh, can you swim and shower with them? You know, what's the deal? Sure. So, um, you know, we call a prescription into the, our patient's pharmacy. They pick them up. 
they apply them to the back of their arm at home. It's really a simple process. It doesn't hurt. It places a little sensor like a fill. It, excuse me. It has a, like a little auto injector, you know, which is a device that's kind of a right. spring loaded okay. thing. And it kind of shoots yeah. it with a, a with the, the adhesive onto the back of your arm. Now, right. there, admittedly, there is a little tiny pin that goes about, I don't know, a millimeter or two under your skin. But it doesn't really yeah. hurt when it goes in, yeah. right? I mean, maybe there's the initial snap when it's snapped, you know, with the auto injector uh, shoots it onto you. But then it adheres. It's self-adhering, right? Correct. Yeah. And, and then you wear it for two weeks. The sensor under the skin um, picks up the blood glucose in that area, actually the, in, the blood glucose reading in the intracellular fluid, which is right next to the capillaries. And so it gives you 24 seven, your blood glucose reading. And then, but we, you know, have a lot of our patients actually wear patches over them, just like you mentioned, and they really don't have problems with keeping them on. Mm -hmm. um, there are a couple different devices. One, you have to scan every eight hours to uh, make sure that all your data is collected. There is mm -hmm. now a Bluetooth version uh, where you get 24-7 readings. Um, on your phone. Without scan yeah on your phone so you just basically look at your phone and you see the graphs you, you see your spikes you see your drops you see your averages it's just a lot of good data for people to follow and again for a lot of people this is life-changing because they really didn't either or didn't have any idea they had a problem to begin with or really didn't know um it, you know how high their blood sugar was running and I think these devices are of tremendous value, uh, especially in people that are pre-diabetic. So if you have diabetes that runs in your family or you're middle-aged and overweight, it is worth looking at this um, because in my mind, and I don't know how you feel, Ron, but in my mind, pre-diabetes um, is really an important time because pre-diabetes can be reversed so that you never progress to diabetes. Um, but, you know, once you're diabetic, you're probably going to have some insulin resistance for life and you aren't going to be able to reverse that process completely. So the time to get on it is when you're pre-diabetic. And what, you, what are even if you're not diabetic, what are some of the issues that arise when you're pre-diabetic? Because it goes way beyond uh, abnormal blood sugar and the effects of abnormal blood sugar, such as eye damage and kidney damage and loss of sensation in your toes, you know, so-called uh, peripheral neuropathy. Uh, these are the consequences of high blood sugar, but uh, it can be a signal for metabolic syndrome, which is a constellation of problems, right, uh, that are very yeah. germane in terms of uh, stroke, uh, heart attack, uh, even cancer, right? Yeah, ab absolutely. Um, you know, high blood sugar begins the vascular inflammation process, and you got blood vessels all over your body, and that's why you see all those different conditions that you've alluded to there. Um, the, the kind of party line is that, that anytime you have a blood sugar over 140 or so, there's some kind of vascular inflammation going on. Because just like the blood glucose molecules attached to the red blood cells related to the hemoglobin A1C discussion we had, they're also attaching to your vascular linings. Um, and so once that process begins, it can progress. And in the time, again, I think people should get on it, it is, is right at the beginning of the problem when it's reversible. 
And it's a very empowering tool because uh, people love a report card. They love feedback. And, you know, when you're uh, dealing with this and working with a health professional, you kind of wait between blood tests. And maybe if you're relying on a hemoglobin A1C, you've got to wait you know, uh, three or four months uh, before it makes sense to repeat a test. And you go, okay, you know, I started out at, a, you know, an 8.5. Now I've gotten down to a 7.2. Uh, I'm making progress here. But with uh, this, you get immediate feedback on a day-to-day basis. You can actually see your average blood sugars declining. You can see the spikes reduced uh, and, the, you know, the, the roller coaster ride kind of smoothed out into more even rolling uh, hills. Uh, which is more the normal response to blood sugar. So it's, I think it's it's a teachable moment, very empowering, uh, and a really great way to um, find out about how you're responding to. I mean, what basically whether you're the measures you're undertaking, whether they be dietary, exercise, and so on, whether they're working. Uh, you've actually uh, written a book about this, uh, the continuous glucose monitor revolution for diabetics. I'm sorry, for non-diabetics. For not that the key is the keyword is non-diabetics, and uh, you're making a, a a very exciting offer to our intelligent medicine listeners. Uh, they can get a complimentary copy of this book. Uh, how can they go about doing that? Yeah, they just need to go in. Ahead and contact me through my website metabolicmds.com and we'll go ahead and send them a pdf of the book okay metabolic mds that's plural mds.com slash free book is the way to get a hold of the continuous glucose monitor revolution for non-diabetics which answers a lot of questions about uh, this exciting paradigm okay when we return uh, we talk a little bit more about uh, CGMs, uh, how they work, what information they can provide. Uh, but also, we're going to venture into the realm of, yeah, it's the elephant in the room, these new drugs that can dramatically reduce weight and improve blood sugar. Uh, what role for uh, diet and exercise is it makes sense to use an all of the above approach, even if you're taking a shot or a pill uh, that reduces your appetite, makes you shed pounds. Uh, today's guest, Dr. Paul Kolodzik, has been thinking long and hard about it uh, and has some ideas to share with us about that. I'm Dr. Ronald Hoffman, and this is the Intelligent Medicine Podcast. 